Podcast World, Cabin Studios, welcome to The Value, the language of business for those seeking to build businesses that are ready to scale, investable, and highly valuable. In today's episode, I'm at the radio station. I'm sitting down with Janine Edwards and Karen Rose of the Digital World radio show on 106.5 FM for a lighthearted but insightful interview about my work as a business valuator and podcaster. We discuss a range of topics from the basics of becoming a chartered business valuator to understanding what it takes to build an investable business, valuing intellectual property, brands, trademarks, and much more. We also touch on the transition from my previous podcast, Caribbean Power Lunch, to The Value, and my views on podcasting as a medium in 2023. So my friend, Karen Rose, He's actually a podcaster as well, and you know, he's able to pull up a lot of stats and stuff. So that was a very fun arc to the conversation. Through my experience valuing companies, I found that many business owners have common blind spots that prevent them from being attractive to investors and able to command high valuations, which is why I created the Value Podcast. So whether you're an entrepreneur looking to build a highly valuable business, you're an investor seeking profitable opportunities or investable opportunities, or you're simply curious about the world of business valuation and podcasting, this episode has something for you. Thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get on the digital world. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. All right, guys, we are back. We are live. Freedom 106.5 FM. And guess what? Karen, should you tell them? Yeah, man. So... We have an amazing guest inside of here and mm-hmm. it is a real treat. And for me, this is actually a really full circle moment because this is the person who first gave me what I felt was like my big interview. True. Like when I when I got interviewed by this man on the Caribbean Power Lunch podcast in 2018, I was like, wait, why reach? Mm-mm. I'm going somewhere, right? And to circle back years later and to now be able to interview this man is really a full circle moment. So today on the show, we have the chartered business valuator, Kevin Valley. Kevin is a consultant who specializes in helping companies seeking to raise capital and negotiate investment terms or exit to develop a defensible business valuation. Kevin is especially passionate about business and the development of the entrepreneurial ecosystems. As a qualified chartered business valuator who has spent over 12 years evaluating companies for both debt and equity investment, Kevin strongly believes that unless a valuation can withstand intense scrutiny, it is just a number. Defensibility is everything. He has always admired the power of businesses to change lives, provide employment, and create sustainable wealth. Kevin is also the host of the world-renowned Caribbean Power Lunch, now called Kevin Value, the value show. This is the place where Mm -hmm. Caribbean entrepreneurs around the region who are doing amazing things, they come, they sit with Kevin, and Kevin dives in deep into their background, the story, what makes them tick, the amazing things that they are doing. Ladies and gentlemen, digital world, let's welcome, let's give with a round of applause, Kevin Value. 
Yay! <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good afternoon, everybody. Digital World Freedom 106.5. How are you guys doing? We are great. We are fantastic. Yo. So nice to have you on the show. So I was giving them a little joke when I entered the building this afternoon. I said, <laughs> I, I was telling security, I was like, we have a guest coming in. He's like, she was like, yeah, uh, you do? I was like, yeah. His name is Kevin Valley. And um, I'll tell you what he does. He's a chartered business evaluator, building investable businesses. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does. I was like, girl, I don't know what he doesn't know. I have no idea what he doesn't know. But he coming in for the interview. But now that I say it back to myself slower, I have a better understanding. It's planetary, right? Yeah. So you evaluate, so. you evaluate businesses and how much a business sh- is going to be worth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So especially businesses that already have an investor on board or looking to raise capital from investor or even an acquirer. They just want to make sure that they don't leave too much money on the table, that they achieve fair value for the business they've built or fair value for the idea they've developed, so, you know, so that they get out and take it to the next level. Wow. That's... I was overhearing your conversation. So I, I was told that this is a very rare thing. Like nobody does this in this country. Like nobody. <laughs> you are like the only one in Trinidad and Tobago. Is that correct? Tell us about um, All that. right. So I wouldn't say I'm the only person who does this. I mean, of course, the professional firms like the big four, they, they do it. They mm-hmm. practically do it. Uh, but in terms of being specially qualified for it, then yes, I'm the only person in Trinidad and Tobago with a specialist valuation qualification right now. I know of, I'm sorry if I forgot anybody else, right. uh, in the Caribbean region, it may be 10, up to 10, maybe slightly more than 10. But um, yes, definitely the, the first and only in Trinidad and Tobago, as far as I checked. Now, Let's why see. is that so rare? I mean, why do people not want to do this? That's a very interesting question, because I think when you start to think about, you know, how Caribbean people think about businesses, mm-hmm. I think that can play into, you know, why your spiel is so weird. But yeah, tell us. Yeah, I mean, so I guess from my story. So after I finished my undergraduate degree in um, banking and finance, right? The only thing we knew about then, or at least I knew about then, was either you go do a master's or you go do this um, certification called Chartered Financial Analyst, right? Everybody knows about Chartered Financial Analyst. Anybody, everybody in the finance field knows about Chartered Financial Analyst. So I had gotten, I'd gotten past level one, I had attempted level two, and I'd gotten to the point where I was saying, why am I, why am I stressing out myself to try and get this qualification and just, and be like one of many, mm. you know? Mm. And so, and through my research, I discovered the Chartered Business Evaluator qualification. I was like, ah, and I saw that nobody else was doing it. I saw that it specialized in private companies while CFA will specialize in public companies. And it's much, much, much more difficult to value private enterprises. So I said, all right, let's take on that challenge. Wow. All right. So I now I have a better understanding of it. And uh, can someone like me, I mean, what do you do to get involved like that? And where can we go study that? Because yeah. to be honest, when you hear, um, okay, so I work on my sister station and every year at the beginning of the new terms we hear, we have commercials from all over, from UWE, from Costa. But I don't really hear any courses about this. If you understand what I mean, I don't really hear yeah. anything about this chartered business value. I haven't heard anything about that. So how can you even, if I wanted to try it, how can I study or pursue it? Yeah, sure. For me, it was because of my, I love business, right? The, mm-hmm. the actual art of business as well as the science of, of business. So that's one thing that's enthralled me. But I would say if you have a background in accounting or economics or something like that, and you, you just have that intellectual curiosity as well as that technical skill, it's something that you should pursue in terms of who offers it. So mm-hmm. I, 
it's a Canadian entity. It's called the Chartered Business Valuators Institute. It's based in Toronto, but of course, it's available through distance learning. So you don't need to fly to Toronto to study the exams. And um, yeah, you just once you have an undergraduate degree or even like a ACCA, most CBVs up in Canada are chartered accountants. Once you have any of those prerequisites, mm-hmm. you could go ahead and start studying the program. So, Kevin, I got to ask you right now, I am probably... I probably run the club of I hate mathematics and numbers. <laughs> I like money, but oh God, that math, that math and anything even remotely related to it does give me cold sweats, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So what inspired you to become a CBV and to get into this field? Because is it that you were a child one day and you were just like, these numbers, I love him. <laughs> like, what, what inspired you to go down yeah, this road? Just now he was just like technical skill. Once you have the technical skill, and you just slip that mm-hmm. in, you know? So is this something you were born with for real? No, not really, you know. <laughs> not really, you know. So anybody who went to who went to school with me, they know that yeah, Kevin was an okay student. <laughs> you know, sometimes he did good, sometimes he did all right. Right. <laughs> you know? So it, it definitely, definitely wasn't like that. But I was always a curious person. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, business is something I was always curious about. My guess is also like, you know, environment dictates performance all the time. Right. right. So my late father was a minister in the Ministry of Finance. My mm-hmm. brothers and my sister were in finance and everything. Everybody is older than me. Right. So, of course, you know, being at that, at that dinner table growing up and everybody's having all these big intellectual conversations. Right. And I'm just I'm just there quiet listening, can't contribute to anything. Right. <laughs> you know, okay. I guess I wanted to be able to become competent enough to have my voice heard as well. Yes. Right. All right. Yes. And, you know, in pursuing that, I became more interested in it. But even a funnier story. Before I even wanted to get into finance and stuff, I wanted to be a psychologist. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to be a psychologist because I because the human I mind. That. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So yeah, so that means that kind of ties into why did why I do the podcast and everything, right? Right. But yeah, what is humans are very interesting. I think human behavior is very interesting. I was always excited by the dichotomy of what people say versus what they do and why they say this or why they do this and all of these things. When I applied to do psychology in in UE. They put me in a banking and finance degree. <laughs> by, by, by accident? No, intentionally. I went into the office and I sat down with them. They said, no, you don't have, no, no, we, we put you there because they saw, they probably saw that I studied business accounts and economics. Right. And they saw that I worked in Royal Bank before, before and all of that. But I mean, what if I wanted a little change? What if I wanted right. to try something, exactly. you know, but, but I mean, all good. <laughs> it's working out. All good. I remember my, my, my brother saying, like, well, you want to study that thing, but you're going to be broke. <laughs> Why you want to say psychologist? We don't. I find Chinese are really good by these psychologists. So. Yeah, we go with oh. partner. Yeah, we go to by, church. Yeah, you know, by you know. the bars. And and the funny thing is, Kevin, you said something very important. You said that environment dictates performance, right? Yeah. And we're it's Friday today. Monday, I had a, a huge four-hour meeting with another Valley. Oh, you <laughs> right. did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the other Valley is is a very prominent businessman and his daughter is a psychologist as well. Okay. And just that similar mindset, you know, so growing up in that family where your dad was a well-respected figure and you are the youngest of the bunch and all of your brothers are doing some really, really good things as well, you know, did you ever feel pressured growing up in that environment and being the youngest and kind of seeing everybody doing something of note? I would say 175% yes. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, one, definitely. Especially my older sister. She's an 
academic boss. And uh. like I said, I was okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you so, okay. you know, you always feel that, and you always be known as Ken Valley's son mm. or this one brother or whatever it is. But mm. I want to make my own name too. You know, my chest big too. I want to, <laughs> you know, right, I want to make course. a name for myself. So that drove the hunger and passion in me as well. Okay, fantastic. I'm loving that. I'm very excited to jump into more. So companies in Trinidad and Tobago, you could, you tell them it's off the bat. How do I apply? How can I find out about my company and what it's worth? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's several ways. Once you could get in touch with me, you could go to my website, kevinvalue.com. You could send me a message at, yeah, yeah, you know. He's <laughs> got the website. He's got the website. Good job. Good job, yeah, Kevin. I've been, I've, yeah, I've been, you know, Karen has, Karen has, um, <laughs> has made sure that I have all my digital assets. You yes, know? yes, yes, yes. As I, as I keep that in mind. But yeah, so kevinvalue.com. I have a presence on LinkedIn as well. Small presence on Instagram, but definitely kevinvalue.com or LinkedIn. And well, if you have my email address, kevin.valley at becomeinvestable.com, please, no spam, please. <laughs> please, no spam. No but spam. yeah, as you know, reach out to me. And yeah, we set up an initial meeting. You know, we speak about your business a little bit. See, you know, see where you are, what you're trying to do. From there, I would send you what I, I created a due diligence checklist that just through my experience, you know, 15 years working in banking, finance, investments and all of that. Just what it is that folks ask for mm-hmm. when, before they also evaluate a deal for funding or for investment. So I've it separated by corporate due diligence, financial due diligence, operational due diligence, legal due diligence. It's a nice checklist to get you started. You get that information room together for me. And then, yeah, then we have a second meeting and then we, de- we decide, you know, are we going to work together based on how much I charge you or whatever. Kevin, before we get into like the foundational how we can start to build investable businesses, right? I want to paint big picture. What is the biggest valuation that you have worked of, that you have worked on where, you know, you you put a dollar figure to the business? What's the biggest one you've worked on? I can't say the name of the client. No, don't, we don't know. We we could tell it's the um, figure. But in terms of the, or in terms of dollar value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Biggest one. Because that was what my question I, I want people. I want people to really think big. As okay. to why this conversation Well, before, be, before I answer that, I have to let you know that I worked as an equity analyst in RBC. I was covering the tech sector. So I was covering Apple and Google and those companies. So <laughs> we really have the boss inside here. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we're talking billions US dollars, right? Right. You know, so. But if you want to talk about from a local context, I would say half a billion, maybe north of that. I could be forgetting wow. somebody. local companies? Yeah. All right. We... So I'm glad you said that, right? Now, that is a huge number. And I know we have a lot of micro, small, medium-sized businesses that kind of make up the entire Caribbean region, right? And for the most part, a lot of them are not even thinking on that level in terms of growing the business to the point where you can call Kevin Valley. <laughs> to no, get... You can call me no. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why we're, we're here with you, right? So what is some of the, like, the foundations? What are some of the absolute basics that people need to start putting in place so that they can start on that road to becoming an investable business? Business plan. People, you know, there's a lot of debates on it where people think they just need a pitch deck and they just go. You need a business plan. You need that big business plan, that long, painful document to create. You need that business plan. And the reason why you need that business plan is because the process of putting together a business plan is going to make you think of so many other things that you wouldn't think about 
if you're just putting together a nice, sexy pitch deck. Right. And then from that business plan, from that holistic business plan, then you need to develop financial projections, right? Because if you're coming for evaluation because you want to raise investments or so, I mean, you need to show what you expect to achieve, what kind of, sort of cash flows you expect to yield from that investment, right? And what sort of expenses you expect to incur mm-hmm. from, from that investment as well. I need to put that in a nice, credible picture. And then, so once you have your business plan, once you have your financial projections, then you could create a pitch deck, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so we're so, doing it back to front. Yeah. No, well, that's, see, that's the thing. We're doing it back to front now. But we suppose, yeah, we supposed to have the business plan first. We'll do the business plan first, do your financial projections, and then put together the pitch deck. Right. Because the pitch deck is not meant to be a thesis document, you know. Pitch deck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been in I've been in pitch meetings, I've been two hours long. It's like, child boy. <laughs> it's not it's not supposed to be like that. What your pitch deck is supposed to do is incite interest from the investor. Right, you're supposed to expect questions. You're not your pitch deck doesn't is not supposed to answer everybody's questions unless it's a pitch deck that you're sending to them for them to do their own due diligence, right? But if you're getting ready to go for a pitch meeting, yeah, fifteen to twenty slides, based pulling out the most salient points from your business plan, from your financial projections, right? And then you go. So yeah, that's the first thing you need to do. Janine, you know why this is so important. But listen, I tell you, every time I come to, to it's, this it's show, <laughs> my eyes just keep, I, I just, I mean, no, I am never going to be one to say I know everything. I definitely oh, don't. We, oh, oh we, don't. you and me both. Yeah, this is I why so, we're bringing the experts. So check me now. I want to get my business evaluated. Hear me? <laughs> I ask any question. But first of all, Jin, you need a business plan. You need to get the projections on. Yeah. And then we can talk. Think about sometimes. all of the businesses that... Even if they're not looking for that big valuation just yet, you're now starting. Mm-hmm. But how many people do we know that are starting a business that are looking to go run to the bank to get loans? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what do we always hear? The banks don't are not for the small man. Yeah. Right. The banks are not for the small man. The banks are not trying to permanent in the Caribbean and whatnot. So, Kevin, I know you probably hear that every like a jingle in your head now, yeah, right? Yeah. What is really happening when we're seeing these situations play out? <laughs> Wow. How long do we have? (laughs) So I'll tell you, I mean, I think that is the main reason that I started doing what I do as an entrepreneur, right? So I've spent my career on that side, on the bank side, on the investor side, because I worked as a corporate banker. I worked as an investment banker. I worked in private equity. So I've worked in all these various fields, right? Again, because I'm such, I'm so passionate about business and I love the art of business, everything. It hurts my heart. (laughs) It hurts my heart. When somebody comes in for financing, especially when a Caribbean business owner comes in for financing and you want to buy into their dream, you want to support them, but there's so many flaws in their business model, in what they presented to us, that we as stewards of capital for our investors, for our investor clients, we just have to say no. We have to say no. And the banks are not in the business of helping you to become more fundable or become more investable. So I saw that gap there and I was like, all right, let me try and teach people you know the language of business that's what we need i don't think the business schools i don't think the i don't think it's connecting that's what's happening i don't think it's connecting with everyone so i think we need more persons to really bridge the gap and try and you know fuse these things together so for me i I mean you're opening up to my eyes and my ears so much this afternoon and i am over here like all right i gotta get my ducks in order Mm -hmm. so to speak to even evaluate it but what about something like are there a lot of people that are fraud 
and they're trying to do the same thing that you're doing or how are we supposed to look out for someone that telling us you know um, I am supposed to so and I can evaluate your business and whatnot. The fraud squad's gonna crack down, you know. So tell us a little bit about that. So how, how to I, look out for those fakes? No, no truthfully, I haven't um, I haven't experienced much fraud on the side of who are offering valuation services. I don't see it, mm-hmm. you know. I only know about like the like the big four professional firms, maybe a couple other smaller firms that provide similar services. But yeah, I don't see much. Um, yeah, I don't see much fraud or, sh- or um, yeah, shenanigans and stuff in terms of the valuation. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So well, thankfully. So okay, but investment that's, schemes. Oh God! That's but, that's, but that's that's some, that's another person's interview. <laughs> <laughs> that's another person's interview. So all right, so we we we're, we're thinking about the small man. We're thinking about the micro, the small, the medium-sized businesses. We have a dollar and a dream. We want to open up the next big double stand or the next big roti shop. We want to scale. We want to grow. We want to be the best. And we've gone to the bank. The bank looks at us dead in the face and they say, "Now nah, we, we ain't getting behind that. What can an entrepreneur do to grow their business and to get funding if the banks have turned them down? What types of alternatives are available for us? I think one of the first things you should do is establish some sort of proof of concept, right? So I don't think you should take, you should just take idea, go to go from idea to trying to get funding, funding right? I think there's, yeah, there's a middle ground in between there where you could say, all right, let me test this out. So let me, I don't know, maybe you want to send out a survey or maybe you want to try some rough, ugly, but functional version of your ideas, a sort of MVP, mm-hmm. a minimum viable product, right? of your idea to, to really decide if it works, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you for me, like if I'm thinking about launching a big product, what I might do? I might just say, all right, here, take, let's see if people want to take this assessment. Let's see if people want to take a little scorecard. Right. You know, so, and these, of course, this is going to be based on solving the same problem that your big idea is going to solve, right? Yeah. Address it. So once you see people raise their hand and say, all right, I'm going to do this scorecard or I'm going to, I'm going to buy this double from you at your house as opposed at your stand in Kirep. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, okay, right now, 20 people at the house and it's only 6 a.m. So, all right. So, we I have proven concept. We have something. Right. So, yeah, I would say, because at the end of the day, banks invest, they want to see that you have de-risked the investment proposal for them, right? Because everybody pitches growth. Everybody, <laughs> everybody pitches growth. Nobody goes to the bank. Nobody goes to invest and say, hey, what? If you give me your money, if you give me your depositors' money, if you give me your investors' money, I might lose all. Yeah. <laughs> nobody ain't, says that. Ain't right? nobody putting that on a document. Right? You too. We expect to be losing money. <laughs> you know? But is the bank, is the unless it's the bank's job to say, would this person lose my money, but would this person make me lose my work? Huh. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So you really need to think about how you de-risk it for the investor. So if you come and say, well, I read, we tested it this way. And we got this level of demand. Bank will say, okay, all right, you might be onto something there. All right, let's try it out. That is so, so interesting. I knew nothing about this before this program, to be quite honest. And I show a lot of the persons that are out there listening right now might have the same shock and awe. Like, what is going on here? Throw out the phone numbers again if people have any questions and they want to call in or if they want to drop a WhatsApp You know what I want to taunt you with? What is the big thing that we're talking about today? I know, you know. Oh, yeah. That's what I want to taunt you with. I want to ask this big question here. How is a company that has been in existence for over 30 years 
that has been throwing our international <laughs> competition. How did it, they not get evaluated to us? To, you know, what's this about? How do you feel about that? That's what I would ask. Being someone in business, mm-hmm. you hear the excuse of not getting the funding of 10 million or whatever. Could, could Soka Monarch go to the bank and be like, hey, bank. <laughs> so tell me how you feel about it. You that. know, I think, you no, know, honestly, but I haven't seen their financials. I haven't seen anything. They've right. never been a client of mine. But I think they've proven concept, at least, right? They've proven concept. They've shown people year after year for decades, because I remember being a little child watching Soka Monarch on my TV camera Friday. Yes. Right? They've, yes. Sh- they've proven over decades that, hey, People go to this. Yeah. People, you know, tickets are going to sell. You know, you're going to get in front of ice. People buy tickets or, or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. So just based on that alone, I think it's worth a conversation. Being canceled due to lack of government funding, I thought it was strange. I thought it was strange. You know, I was at the barbershop. I'm talking about this yesterday. And of course, at the barbershop is where you have the, the best conversations. Best conversations. Always in-depth conversations. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The most analytical conversations you could ever hope to have. I was like, hmm, yeah, this is really, this is really, really, really strange, right? Because, first of all, I, I didn't know that government funds these so-called money. I actually thought it was a private, private, and not a private, private thing and that these people yeah. make enough money from it, right? You know, so I can't say why they would, <laughs> why, why, why they would decide not to. Doesn't that seem like a bad business, like a badly run business? If you have proven concept for, tw- mm-hmm. what, 30 years? Because since, yeah, since we were kids, we've yeah. been going so money. And it's been on life support the last right. five to eight years. So if you have been in the red okay. without government assistance funding the entire bill. All right. So that's like, okay. So that's I could speak to from a business perspective, right? So what we've seen over the past few years is a lot of the headline artists having their own shows. Yes. Right. So you no longer. It's not so much more of a zeal to go there and watch, okay, Marshall going to go against Bungie and Iowa, you know, and then this year Super Blue might come out. It sort of tapered down over the last, let's say, about seven years or so. And now, you know, everybody's having their own show. And isn't Marshall having his own show on the same Friday? I mean, so that's what we were saying. You want that smoke? (laughs) Maybe he heard, maybe he got the S before. Um, Uh, I I, I wouldn't. My conspiracy really, when you think about it, right? Uh Uh-huh. Marshall just jumping up on Friday. So it's just jumping up out of nowhere saying he's doing a show Friday, right? Mm-hmm. They had two years to plan Soka Monarch. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me in the interview that they were deliberating for the last three days and decided to cancel it? I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. No. If you were planning for two years, you're not taking three days to just say, we didn't get enough money. Mm-hmm. We didn't raise enough money. And we're just going to cancel it. I don't think you were ever planning this properly. Exactly. I would have to see the numbers, right? Because I don't know how much it costs to put on a show like that, right? We could sit here and look at the audience and say, hey, but enough people go in this, you know, right? But, but we don't know if ticket sales. But they have said it has been declining for years. Right. Marshall didn't kill it. It was dying for a long time to a point where, and I think you could chime in on this, at some point as a business, you know when a business is going to make a profit and when your projection is saying, hey, we're going and lose it. Very big. Yeah. yeah. And if it's trending downwards right. for a number of years, at some point, as a responsible business owner, you already you're gonna come out and be like, this doesn't make any sense. So I think you made a good point when you're like, everybody's having their own show. Everybody's seeing their own, they're building their own brands. Mm-hmm. They're building a brand big enough to afford them having their own show. That has taken away from Soka Monarch. And I don't think Soka Monarch has ever scaled down. 
to match where their brand is at. Karen <laughs> <laughs> trying to put me in this Karen want me to say so come on because why let a safe space is a safe space <laughs> Speaking of brand, right? Speaking of brand and valuation, and Janine, we got to take some notes on this, right? Because we're we're both up and coming entrepreneurs. We have our businesses, right? We're I'm all learning. Learning so much. Every we're learning. Week. We're learning. I just and gotta get a freedom book and put it right there somewhere. Just I, take I my just notes take, every every week. I, I take notes on this question, Kevin. How do you go about valuating like the brand, like the intellectual property, of the brand? How does that play a part when you are evaluating a business? Yeah, excellent question. So first off, I would say if I'm valuing a business, unless I'm specifically asked to value the IP, which I have not yet Mm -hmm. been yet, I wouldn't value it separately. But I'll tell you what, in almost 99.9% of companies I have valued and companies I've, I've observed, I've seen that the value of the business, when you look at the value of the business and then you minus the value of the physical assets, you see that the bulk of the valuation is attributable to the intangible assets, namely the intellectual property, the brand, trademarks, copyright, all of those things. So those things are what drives the cash flows of most operating companies. Now, from a theoretical, technical standpoint on how to value a brand, we would look at what are similar brands worldwide, what royalties are being generated from that brand? What sort of license agreements are being generated by those brands or people who um, carry those brands or companies who carry those brands? And then you would apply that to your cash flows. Mm. You apply that to your cash flows and of course you discount what type value of money and all these sexy stuff that I do on Excel. <laughs> yeah, every time you say it, I just, my eyebrows just going, I run another room on my forehead because every time I'm like, mm, all right, yes. It's a different language, you know, that you're speaking. It is a total different language to me. Numbers is like, so it's in French. I can, I'm good with French and, and Spanish, but numbers is a, a totally oui, different language. Oui, oui, madame. You know, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't always good at math, you know, I wouldn't lie to you. In year one, you, I failed math. Did you? <laughs> I really did. I really did. I had to do it too, but in summer school. <laughs> I really, yeah, man, I wasn't always good in math, but, but that's like confusing math where they try to make math annoying, but like counting and what is X plus X? Yeah, I can do that. Algebra, I can do that. Yeah. All right, good. For me, I just want to know, I want to know, my goodness. I really don't even know I'm lost right now. Because at this point in time, I'm like, I need to go back. And I show a lot of people here thinking, well, the business plan, maybe you could go back and touch on that. But that's not your forte, really. We talking more. The, no, the I can no. Listen, I also, you I also help. No, I also help people um, develop their business plans oh, and well, stuff. So, yeah. Well, can we touch on that? Because here, that... Here, here's a good question to pair with that, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that we kind of, you know, a lot of businesses skip the business plans. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses have been moving towards a business canvas, mm-hmm. right? From where you sit, what makes sense to do? Business canvas. Business. I know there's a come reason why you go left or right. I come back to me. I have to tell you people it's a business. Can't well, you know, he's going to tell us that. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You bring it to me. Yeah, I don't use that. In you come up with something else. I, know. I was about to tell you. Business canvas. I know what to say. What is this now? Is <laughs> a, this just now your time? Business billboard. So it's like a one page sheet where you, you list different aspects of the trying to run, right? Where I think that's useful is if you're just building a business for yourself. If you're just building a lifestyle business that 
you know, it's going to make you a little bit, make you some money so you could go and live your life. You could travel, you know, enjoy yourself. Do your business canvas. You do your thing by yourself. You don't bother anybody. You're not looking for... Exactly. M- there we go. If you're going to to talk to investors, don't come in that canvas. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can come in the canvas, but also come, you know, with your pitch deck backed up by your business plan. Now, we would, investors may not always ask for your business plan, but the fact that you've done your business plan means that you are much more readily able to answer questions that come up during that pitch meeting. That's what part of the exercise is, is for. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much more value in the business plan than the document that it just produces. Okay. But break it down for the people now. Business plan. Break it down. <laughs> key right. points. I'll give you a few main key points. I don't want to lose anybody. So, it's a textbook you're creating. With that. All right. So you want to make sure that you're really articulating the problem you're trying to solve or the solution that you're providing to the market. You really want to articulate who is your target market. Right. And I always give people three different criteria for that. One being who can you create the most amount of value for? Who do you either like working with or who do you have easily access to? Mm-hmm. And who is willing to pay a premium for your product or service? Right. Because it's important that they're able to pay a premium because, you know, otherwise you'll just be frustrating yourself in business. Now that you have identified your target market, you need to have a plan of how you're going to how you're going to acquire those customers. What's your go-to market strategy? And yeah, from there is economics. Is the boring economics? Okay, boring you know, industry economics. competitive. You know, competitive environments and and all these other things that we could talk about on a call. KevinValue.com. I love it. Yay! Yeah, let's give them the websites again. KevinValue.com, right? Yeah, KevinValue.com. Value. Yeah, even if you type KevinValue.com, it'll go to KevinValue.com. Okay, because he brings the value. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's it. But you know what? Let's switch gears. We've been talking about the heavy stuff about becoming investable. Some of the some of the foundations that people need to think about when they're when they're building their business and looking to get investments from the banks and whatnot. Let's talk about the Value Podcast. You have rebranded from CPL and folks, not the not the cricket league. <laughs> you have rebranded from the Caribbean Power Lunch. Tell us about the transition from. Caribbean Power Lunch to The Value Show. Yeah, man. So for those of you who would have listened to Caribbean Power Lunch back when we launched five years ago, actually, LinkedIn um, told me happy anniversary today. I was like, wow. Wow. You know, so that was really to feature Black entrepreneurship throughout the Caribbean region. And fast forward, fast forward two years to um, middle 2020 after the George Floyd incident and everything and everything. I felt like the intention, the goal was achieved, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot more people became, I don't want to say woke, became, <laughs> you know, a lot more became people aware. Came, became aware. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Became more cognizant of highlighting black excellence and black work and black business and whatnot. And just like the same reason I chose to do CBV versus CFA. I said, all right, everybody doing this? All right. I'm going to evolve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to the next level. All right. So I said, all right, let's focus on advising Korean businesses on how to make their businesses more globally competitive, right? Did that for some time. And then at this juncture where this had all of these brands, but that wouldn't necessarily sink in well enough, right? So I'd become investable, Caribbean Power Lunch. And then I was building out Kevin Value. So I said, all right, let's try it and get everything nice and aligned. So I said, okay. It took me a while to come up with the name of that podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 and, it, and it's flawless. Yeah, it is. A, it is great. It's great. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So I said, all right, let's call it the value. And let's also wanted to give that international appeal as well. Right. So it's for 
So folks who want to build businesses that are scalable, investable, and highly valuable. So I interview experts, consultants, and successful business owners about how they were able to build a business that either raised capital successfully, that you're able to t- scale to the next level, or I'll talk to consultants, all right, what's a particular, what's a particular skill you need for your business? So just my last interview that I'm going to release soon, I actually spoke to Jared Best Mitchell, who I know has been in this room already about um, Shout out to Jared Best Mitchell. Every time. Yeah, about about sales, you know, how to improve your company sales and everything. Because, I mean, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. Yeah, for sure. And that's a very different mission from, you know, what what CPL started off as. Being in, and I, I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but building Caribbean Power Lunch where you focused on black excellence. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get pushback? Because we are in a very multicultural society, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever get pushback? for only focusing on black excellence with the with the platform? Listen, thank you so much for asking that. And that was one of my, that was one of my biggest qualms about, even before launching the podcast, because I'm not a racist person or anything like that, right? But I just had a period, it was after the Anthony Bourdain's visit to, to Trinidad Tobago, right. you know, 1%. the 1% comment that, that infuriated so many people, but Ooh, it just, yeah. oh, but yeah. it just, it didn't get me mad. It just it made, me me it yes. made me think, it just made me think, you know? So I was like, all right, well, why isn't that, why isn't it that black people are able to, you know, get this level of success? And I realized that, you know, we weren't necessarily conditioned that way. So I was trying to see how we could evolve that, you know, but I would say the day I launched, I swear, the first two people to reach out and say, man, I love that show. I love what you're doing. We're not black people. Oh. True. Yeah. I'm talking about the same day. Wow. Like, yeah. I'm walking, I'm walking the street going to get lunch. And people drive by and say, hey, Kevin, boy, I hear your podcast, boy. I really like it, man. I really like it. You know, it's right. something different, man. That gave me a sigh of relief. It's like, oh, all right, good. So people got the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not highlighting black business and taking away from anybody else. It's just highlighting black businesses exactly. because they, they weren't generally highlighted, highlighted before. Exactly. That's what we need uh, right now. So how can we get to the CPL? Well, I mean, it's the value is the value right now, but you can just go to the value.show and um, you have all my episodes there. Or you can just check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. I sound like, a, like the end of my um, like an end of episode. Kevin, value, that's what I do and all. So it's just a val and you. No, the you value. Mean? No, no, no. V-L-U-E. Okay. okay but, um, com. Yeah. So my website is kevinvalue.com. The podcast website is thevalue.show. I'll throw this in there, right? Because, again, I, I I will always say you were the guy that really brought me, yeah, look the website. <laughs> it's looking fresh and clean. It looks so international. Yeah. Who, yo, who, who did the logo, right? Yeah, no, no who, who listen, listen, listen. My girlfriend is a boss. Ah, <laughs> should I put subscribe yes, yes. now? Yeah. Shout out to Sosa. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did, yeah, she did all my branding. She did my website and everything. Yeah, man. That oh, is, that is beautiful, that, man. That is that was power couple type of thing. Uh-huh. But yo, years later, in twenty twenty three, I seen Gary V posted an article that in twenty twenty three, new podcast mm-hmm. creation are down like twenty five percent. Really, right? Down 25 Well, you know why? Because it went up so much during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> okay. So I'll ask you, because like you were somebody that, you know, you've been on this for years now. 
what is your view of podcasting as a medium in 2023? Is this still something worthwhile? Does it make sense for people to do? That is a that's a great question. I think all right. If you're looking at podcasting as your as a money maker for you, I hope that you have over 100,000 followers already. Okay. Right? So if you're already somebody is popular and whatnot and you want to go and do podcasting as your sole source of income, you just want to get sponsors and and all these things, great. If not, that's a risky plan. If not, you know, so how I do it, I use it as, as part of my whole, I call it my asset ecosystem. Ah, talk about Right? <laughs> right? So I have the podcast, the website, you know, I'm going to get the YouTube channel a little more active. I've been doing a, a, um, a little bit more blogs and everything. And I have a few more things coming out that uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you all yet. Right. But um, but yes, it's about everything acting in synergy, right? So what the podcast is grateful for me. I have gotten a lot of partnerships. It's great for networking. For clients, come actually come through the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard your show. Then, so I heard your show. They just call card. I want to talk to you. And then, all right, you're my client. That sort of thing. So it's it's a great way to to generate leads as well. And it's a very non-committal sort of way to generate leads. So it's, it's no pressure on the audience. You know, I don't need your name. I don't need your email address or anything. Just listen to my voice for, for hours. So if, if you like me, reach out. If not, well, cool, next. Yeah. You know, so. It's definitely a great way to generate leads, to build awareness, to bring people into your brand. And I think when people are thinking about podcasting, they are trying to think about the money right away. How does this make money right away? And bro, and, and this is something we'll talk about offline, but I am 119 episodes in yeah. almost two years later. And I just submitted my first sponsorship proposal for a title sponsor of the podcast two years later. And that is something that I'm saying because when people are thinking about podcasting or when they're thinking about creating content, the first thing they're thinking about is, I only want to create content if it can make more money right now. I only want to make a podcast or do a YouTube channel if it can make me money right now. And you don't realize that the real money comes if you're building a podcast or you're building a a platform where you're giving value, Mm -hmm. your people are going to come. Clients are going to come. Your name is going to get out there. But then when you've built up enough value and you've built up a platform, you've built up a following, then it's so much easier now to go to a company and say, hey, can I get 50K to sponsor the next or whatever your price is? Because now you have a track record. And now the people that are going to sign off that check have been like, yeah, I've seen your your YouTube channel. I've seen the podcast. There's a track record already established. Uh And that is something that I think a lot of content creators are missing from what they are doing. And so what happens is, especially like folks who pursue podcasting just with the idea of making money, I think the average is maybe 11 to 13 episodes before they decide, forget it. Pod fade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before they just stop. (laughs) It's just stop. (laughs) You know, just stop and just go back to whatever else they were doing. You know, so it, it really is not a quick money game. No. But, you know, you have to do it for the love. I, I mean, I was doing it for free. When I was employed already, I'll just do it in the night. I'll be editing my episodes till four in the morning and go to work for eight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but when I publish episode, I don't... Like, when you hit publish, and Karen, you know this. When you hit publish, that high, that high, that you get, like, ah, it's out. It's the same high I get whenever I submit evaluation. It's a high I love to feel. 
That's beautiful. You can hear the passion in his voice. You definitely can. Yeah. Kevin, where can the digital world and Freedom Family find you? In case you all forgot, <laughs> you could find me at kevinvalue.com. You could check me out on LinkedIn. I won't give you too many different places for to, to confuse you, but just one more. You could catch me at thevalue.show. That's thevalue.show. Thevalue.show. Well, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you so much for enlightening us and giving us so much information and knowledge. And uh, we really hope that you do so much more. And uh, don't forget to, you know, when you get big, big, big outside, don't forget the, you know, the two people from digital. <laughs> don't forget the digital world when you get big out there. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your interesting story. It really, really was a wonderful hour with you here, getting to know you and your brand and, and what you do. It's so important. I've never met anyone that, that do what you do. So, well, fantastic. There's 10 people in the Caribbean. So. <laughs> yes, I never met anyone that does this. So, wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And I'd I like to thank these two big people for having, having little me <laughs> coming to your studio and come and talk to your, your audience about this. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a work of passion. It's a work of love, you know. Yeah. So, it's a much needed. And before we go to, yes, uh, before Janine, Janine's going to be queuing up a song for us to chip out. Yes, you know, of course. One thing Kevin always reminds me of is, folks, you get paid for your value and not for your time. Hmm. Keep want to make the real money. Yeah, that's the thing. Huh? Just don't, don't study the money so much. It will come. For the money is going to come. Facts. All right. All right, guys, so we're going to take a quick, quick break and we will be right back. Hope you're having a blessed and beautiful afternoon. It's Freedom 106.5, the digital world. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. Podcast world, there you have it. From the digital world to the value. Special thanks to Janine Edwards and Karen Rose of 106.5 FM's The Digital World Show for having me on. I invite you guys, if you enjoyed this episode, to subscribe to The Value at thevalue.show. Check us out on CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, Podcast World, Cabin Studios, shout out to the digital world. We are out. Mm-hmm.